Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian with your Market View. Now, today we're going to be speaking to PepsiCo to find out more about how it has been adapting to an inflationary environment as well as how it views the FMB sector going forward. Now, speaking of PepsiCo, the company released its third quarter corporate results just a couple of weeks ago, where it expects to see 2022 organic revenue rise 12%, up from 10% earlier. Now, profits also came in better than expected at one US dollar and 97 cents per share on revenue of about 22 billion US dollars. And its APEC business is growing strong too. But you might be more interested to find out uh, more from our interviewee today instead of me, Wen Yuan Tan, CEO PepsiCo Asia Pacific, Australia, New Zealand, and China joins us on the show. Hi, Wen Yuan, how are you? Hi, Tian Tian, how are you doing? Great, and great to have you on our show as well. And uh, Wen Yuan, I'd like to start off by congratulating you and your team at PepsiCo. Some stellar numbers over here. PepsiCo hiked its forecast for the year, while revenue was up 9% from a year ago. And we're seeing some positive numbers within APEC as well. Take us through some of those uh, key highlights within APEC. Sure, Tian Tian. Uh, pleasure to be here. And for your listeners who may not know, uh, I'll just talk a little bit about PepsiCo. We are a global food and beverage company with many of the brands our listeners may be familiar with, like Lay's, Doritos, Red Rock Deli, Quaker, Pepsi, Gatorade, and Mountain Dew. We did about $80 billion almost in revenue last year. We operate in more than 200 markets and we serve 1 billion consumers daily. So talking about APAC, Tintian, uh, year to date, our revenues are up 10% versus prior year. We're seeing some really strong growth, uh, very strong double-digit growth in markets like China and Vietnam, and even in Australia, where we're seeing high single-digit growth. You know, one of the key measures of whether we're doing a good job with customers and consumers in the marketplace is our share of market. So we're also driving a lot of share gains in the large majority of our foods and beverage markets. And I think uh, our results have benefited from a healthy geographic and a category mix. And as you mentioned uh, earlier, across the company, our performance was very broad-based. Uh, all our international businesses also delivered double-digit organic revenue growth. And you know we're very grateful for the support of our consumers and communities uh, where we operate. And we are uh, committed to reinvesting in our people, our brands, our supply chain, uh, which have enabled us to deliver uh, such solid results so far. Right. And well, Wen Yuan, media reports for now, they point to the ability for PepsiCo to pass on the higher prices to consumers as a reason for those good numbers and forecasts. Bloomberg for one said PepsiCo is winning the inflation battle so far by convincing customers to pay more for chips and soda. But I'm sure you have your views on that. Is that the case for the APEC business? Yeah, Tian Tian, I think you know we have a unique role to play in this uh current environment that is quite challenging. I think our goal overall, if I take a step back, is to offer consumers very innovative, sustainable, and better products at affordable prices. And being a large food and beverage company, we have the scale as well as the expertise to source ingredients, make and sell our products very effectively without adding unreasonable cost to consumers. So the past 18 months, as you would have seen, you know, observe on your program as well and, and your other guests, significant challenges in commodity costs and uh, supply chain disruptions. But I think at PepsiCo, we believe we've been be able to manage this relatively well, even when compared to our peers. And part of this is due to a very strong end-to-end -end approach to cost management throughout our organization. You know, we treat all our costs like an investment 
that everybody has to apply for each year. Uh, it's called zero-based budgeting. Uh, and we emphasize to all our employees that they need to act like owners. So, you know, some of the, the progress we have made has been pretty encouraging. We're leveraging uh, analytics and data. You know, the past two years has been a real transformation of how we use that to drive faster decision-making, optimize the routes with which, we, with which we serve our customers, improve execution with more precise assortments and offerings in store as well as online. We're automating and digitizing our supply chain to reduce waste, increase line utilization and support our innovation pipeline with more agility and also faster speed to market. So I think these have helped us mitigate a lot of the cost increases and you know, allowing us to pass on only what is absolutely unavoidable to the rest of the value chain. There, there is one other point I'd like to make, which is you know, a lot of people focus on commodity costs and costs to consumers, but the cost to the environment uh, and the planet is also a big challenge for all of us in society. And this has only escalated in the last couple of years, right? So last year, you know, at PepsiCo, we launched a program called PepsiCo Positive. It comprises three levers. The first is what we call positive agriculture, which is our effort to spread sustainable and regenerative agricultural practices to farmers. Mm. You know, we, we uh, farm more than 3 million hectares globally, more than 25 crops in 30 countries. Right. The second is what we call positive value chain, which is to reduce scope one, two, and three emissions to meet our net zero goal by 2040. And the last is what we call positive choices, which is to provide and nudge consumers to make better choices uh, for the planet and for themselves. And these also require investments, additional costs, which you know, some APAC consumers aren't yet willing to pay for. So we are finding ways at PepsiCo to invest ahead of the curve to build a more sustainable business that is positive for the planet and the people. I see. And um, well, meantime, uh, when you and I like to turn our attention to look at demand side of things, demand mm -hmm. has been rather resilient for PepsiCo's business amid the ongoing macroeconomic environment, high inflationary pressures, of course. Uh, what are some explanations for that resilient performance? Have snacks and beverages from PepsiCo become like a form of affordable luxury in the meantime? You know, Tian Tian, I'd love to say that, uh, you know, it's because we're doing a great job, but the reality <laughs> is we're quite sure. fortunate. Mm. We're quite fortunate in that we operate in a category that people still need to rely on, whether in good times or not so good times, right? People still need to eat and need to drink. And I would say during COVID, there was a shift towards in-home consumption. You know, although some of our products skew uh, more away from home, like beverages, we were able to quickly navigate these channel shifts and make our products available to consumers for in-home occasions you know, via channels like e-commerce. Uh, and I think it also helps that we have strong brands that consumers love and keep coming back to. You know, uh, snacks and beverages are simple pleasures that lift your day, whether you want to celebrate with friends or even when maybe not everything is going quite as rosy in your life. So I talked about uh, positive choices earlier. And one of the things that we are also doing to make ourselves more relevant to consumers as they evolve uh, is to expand our product choices with more nutritious, convenient foods and zero sugar beverages. So I think these initiatives has helped us uh, remain relevant to the consumer. We don't take any of it for granted. We are continually working hard to make sure our offerings are very local, mm -hmm. tailored to the consumer and addressing their needs at every point in their life cycle. I see. Uh, but how have consumer behavior changed as a result of the macroeconomic environment? Uh, what is PepsiCo APEC doing to tap these trends? Wow, that's, uh, I know we have 11 minutes, Tian Tian, but that's right. a huge question. <laughs> I could spend days on it. Mm. So I'll say a couple of things, right? One, you know, obviously with inflation, consumers are opting for value. Uh, but the way they go for value, I think, is is quite different in a market like APEC, where a lot of consumers are quite sophisticated. So it's not just about the lower price points, 
but really, you know, both trading up as well as trading down uh, based on the category and the role the category plays in our lives. And that's something we're very aware of. So as PepsiCo, we need to respond by providing the right value and entry price points. You know, when you pick up an item, it doesn't hurt your pocket too much. But at the same time, we know that consumers don't want, you know, lower value and lower quality, right? So there are instances where we know there is a big consumer segment to, to go after uh, that we are actually improving quality and in some instances actually, you know, developing more premium products to be able to meet consumers' needs. And the second theme I would say mm. is, you know, it's not just inflation, but, you know, this whole uh, COVID that we've been through the last two years. Right. Uh, Humans are supporting brands and companies that they believe can make a positive change in the world. So, you know, what we're doing is we are continuing to invest in, in programs like PepsiCo Positive, doing it in a way that doesn't impact the consumer and they don't feel like they have to pay for it just because we're trying to do more good things in the world. Mm. Uh, and I, I think that's also something that's helped us uh, these last couple of years. Right. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Wen Yuan Tan, CEO PepsiCo Asia Pacific, Australia, New Zealand and China. As we talk about customers wanting to go towards higher value goods, not just about the low price point, there's a trend that we are seeing in supermarket stores, right? We will find sodas in smaller cans and it seemed rather common of late. Media reports are saying that uh, that's part of packaging innovation efforts by major manufacturers to hold on to customers amid inflation. But I must admit, I've not seen that in Pepsi products so far. So is this something that PepsiCo or PepsiCo Asia Pacific is keen to pursue going forward? Yeah, Tian Tian, thanks for that uh, observation. You know, I think as we look at a very important topic, like what's the right pack size for the consumer, we're actually guided by, you know, how the consumer wants to consume these products. So it's very much driven by occasion. And the smaller pack sizes that you observe, you know, they talk about in, in specifically in cans, I think they are one of the ways in which manufacturers are responding to consumers' needs for either a lower ticket price, like you mentioned, because of inflation, or, you know, in some instances and in markets, uh, portion control. So, you know, consumers are actually telling us we love the product, but we want you to help us control the amount we consume in each serving. So we remain at PepsiCo guided by the consumer needs in each market. You're right that uh, we don't actually have the mini cans in Singapore right now, which is why you probably don't see uh, them on Pepsi products on the shelves. We do have them in other markets like China and Korea, where we have uh, observed that there is a, a consumer need that we are able to address through this pack sizes. I, I would say, you know, it's not just uh, an issue of inflation. You know, pack price architecture is something that consumer packaged good companies spend a lot of time analyzing to identify what's the right structure to serve consumer needs for each occasion. So it's really about occasion-based rather than just price-based. Right. Uh, Wen Yuan, how do you assess the FMB industry and what is the outlook for the sector for the next three to five years? Which are the markets that will be in focus? Yeah, this, this is my passion topic, Tian Tian. So I'm going to try and make my answer short. I could talk days about days for this. Uh, you know, I think one in APAC, uh, what's absolutely clear is you know, even as you consider all the disruption happening around the world, there is tremendous opportunity for growth, right? In many markets in Southeast Asia, for instance, you know, category consumption in beverages and snacks, it's like one quarter to one eighth of developed markets in terms of per capita consumption. And even in developed markets in Asia, like Japan and Korea, it's still about half of the developed Western markets. So we, we see a lot of potential for growth. That's number one. Second, consumers in APEC are also getting always more discerning and more sophisticated. I think they'll demand much more 
in terms of localized offerings that are suited to their culture. You know, food is a very local thing. Uh, they'll demand more customization. I think they'll want more sustainable and healthy solutions, which is something we're working hard on. And finally, I think they want to be able to purchase these products in increasingly convenient ways. It's really anytime, anywhere that, uh, you know, 30-minute delivery or even 15 minutes in some markets in Asia. Uh, and they want brands to engage with them about what they're doing for the planets, uh, the, the communities. Uh, they want brands to engage with them digitally and emotionally. So I think it'll be a super interesting space in APAC. I think consumer goods companies can't rely on the same levers to grow as before, which was, you know, simply... Um, you know, launch a, a campaign, develop a TVC, a, a television commercial, build a brand and ensure you've got distribution. I think we need new capabilities that are more sophisticated. Uh, how do we digitize our value chain across the system? It's not just about e-commerce. How do we build uh, talented teams that are really locally based, that mm. understand local cultures and nuance? And how do we embed sustainable practices across our company? Right. And finally, Wenyuan, before we let you go, just one quick one here. Uh, what are some product innovation efforts? What are some plans ahead that we as consumers or retail investors should know about PepsiCo and PepsiCo APEC? Yeah, thanks, Tian You know, I think you know we are a food and beverage company. We're, we're proud of our entire portfolio of products. So, you know, it's, it's like ask me to choose between children to highlight one or two. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I think we need to we know we need to do even more. We, we, we need to continue to evolve our portfolio so that they're better for the planet and people. And, you know, I think some of the trends around locally relevant innovation and flavors in each market uh, is something that we continue to do uh, in the markets where we operate. You know, uh, mm. one theme I would say is we, we are incorporating more diverse ingredients into both new and existing products uh. that are better for the planet mm. and or deliver nutritional benefits such as nuts and seeds. It's about becoming a bigger part of PepsiCo's portfolio, whole grains, you know, we're leveraging technology to deliver healthier food and beverage options without compromising on taste. So you'll see not only no sugar in Pepsi, but also in Gatorade, you know, other brands across the portfolio. And if I think about foods, you know, one of the, the innovations I'm particularly excited about is a new brand we're launching called Popcorners. Mm. Uh, it uses a compression technology uh, to basically deliver the same crunch uh, to you uh, with the same nutrition, but it's never fried. And we're developing products that that also deliver more nutritional benefits. Like uh, we in, in China, we have a Quaker series called Five Black, uh, Five Red, and Five White Wu Hei Wu Hong Bai. And these include uh, TCM ingredients like black sesame, goji berry, red dates, uh, integrated with oats to aid digestion and, and circulation. So in summary, you know our product development or innovation focus is really you know that sweet spot or that Venn diagram of more healthy, more sustainable, still tasty, and definitely still affordable. Well, sounds very exciting, Wenyuan, and I can't wait to take a trip down to my nearest grocery store. So thanks very much, Wenyuan. That was Wenyuan Tan, CEO, PepsiCo, Asia Pacific, Australia, New Zealand, and China. Thanks for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.